Hi there, I'm David Harvey, and I'm here with John Andrews, and this is the Two Techs Podcast. In this podcast, we're two friends in two different countries, here with you every two weeks talking about two different texts from the Bible. In this season, as we enter our second year of podcasting together, we step beyond the stories of Jesus in the Gospels and into the Book of Acts. The Book of Acts is a series of stories and events from the early church when they encounter the disrupting presence of the Holy Spirit. Hey, so David, we are back and this is number four so far of the book of Acts. And we have, well, we're still in the first 11 verses, David. So Rushed our way a, to verse eight. <laughs> we have rushed our way to verse eight. We we dropped off at verse eight, yes, at last last podcast. So, but I, I, hope, I hope our listeners are appreciating it. Personally, I'm reading the Bible slower than I've ever read it and I'm getting more out of it than I've ever got out of it. And, and sometimes we rush past these beautiful texts yeah. And maybe we need to slow down a bit. So whatever else our listeners are, are are listening to or reading, maybe a slow burn through the book of Acts will will be a nice yeah. little supplement to the journey. So so we're going to pick this up again. And uh, last time we, we talked about this idea of the, the power of the Spirit causing that community to be witnesses so that they could go to mm. the nations of the world. And we've introduced that idea, which we'll unpack throughout our story on the book of Acts. But then we see this sort of incredible climactic moment to this introduction of not only Jesus being yeah. with them and the promise of the Holy Spirit coming, but then Jesus leaving. And it's a it's a really quite traumatic moment. So we, 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 would you like to read this or do you want me to read the text? Yes. No, I'm very happy to. Yeah, you're absolutely right. This is as far as endings of sermons go, this has got to be up there amongst the best. <laughs> I've not seen it. <laughs> no. <laughs> so so we have Acts 1 verse 8, which we've, we've read a few times that Jesus leaves them with this, you're receiving power, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then, and then the next three verses go like this, Acts chapter 1 verse 9. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. <laughs> there's, <Amazing. laughs> there's a story. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then the next verse sort of says, I love the sort of change of gear from from Dr. <laughs> then the apostles returned to Jerusalem <laughs> from the hill called the Mount of Olives. It's like, okay, let's just go back. And, and you get that. Uh, we, we've seen this before, haven't we, in the Gospels? A yes. traumatic moment followed by, <laughs> okay, and then they walked back to Jerusalem. And, and you, suddenly you've had this incredible encounter, this dramatic ascension moment, and then right yes. back back to normality, as it were, back to a world yes. now, and a world without Jesus, it seems, which is quite a dramatic moment for them. Well, yeah, absolutely. It's so true, the contrast of the stunning and the normal, right? The fact that Luke even includes in verse 12, oh, it was about a Sabbath day's Sabbath walk. walk. So it's about a kilometre. It's like yeah, the apostles walked home for a kilometre. And then what a great thought you just said there, that without Jesus, or... or, yeah. or and now that's yeah. an interesting... Like it's an interesting little gap in the story, isn't it? That it is. The Holy Spirit is. is coming. Jesus mm -hmm. has left, 
And actually, even how they play out this story without Jesus, perhaps we take a moment or two at some point in this in this episode to talk about that. But but let's stay where we read just now. So yep. 1 verse 9, 10, and 11. Yep. Where do you want to start with this, John? Well, I, one of the things for me, it really, this few little verses reinforce is again the big ideas that Luke is introducing right at the beginning of his narrative. So he has introduced our reintroduced kingdom of God to us. And we've talked about mm-hmm. the topping and tailing of that in the in the book of Acts, just beautiful symmetry there. He's introduced the Holy Spirit in a in a way towards this gathered community, which reflects the symmetry of his gospel. He's now introduced to all nations. And now mm-hmm. we get this, not only the ascension of Jesus, but this promise at this same Jesus who has been taken from you will come back in the same way. So you're, you're getting now an introduction to what we might call an eschatological dynamic. So, so you've got, you've got mm. kingdom of God, eschatology at the beginning. You've now got this future Jesus will come back idea. And in between that, you've, you've, you've been introduced to the power of the Spirit and mm. to the nations of the world. So it, you, you've got some bigologies there being represented, yeah. a pneumatology in the Holy Spirit, a missiology to the nations of the world. You, you might even want to argue an ecclesiology that says, you're my witnesses, you'll be my witnesses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you talked about that beautiful joined, joined community, neither male and female, Jew or Greek, slave yes. or free. It's all it's all happening there. And now we've got a massive eschatological idea introduced. And I'm I'm wondering, David, was was the belief in Jesus coming again part of the urgency of this community in seeking mm-hmm. to reach their world? Or or is is that an idea that's coincidental at the beginning? Mm-hmm. Of this text, but mm. but Luke has introduced some massive ideas in the first eleven verses. Definitely, this is is one of the challenges of scholarship. Even is is to ask the question: Do the I think they call it the sort of delayed parousia. So yeah. so are the disciples motivated by Oh my goodness, Jesus is coming back next week, and and therefore we need to get about this, or, or is there more depth to that? And I, and I think sometimes there's a a tendency within scholarship. I personally think to overplay the disciples' expectation that Jesus is coming back next Mm. week, right? Mm. Yes, they do definitely talk in terms of an uncertainty, but, and maybe I'm being too vague when I say this, but, you know, so so the scholarly idea leans into, oh, the disciples thought Jesus was coming back next week, and then they realized he wasn't, kind of got a bit disappointed. Whereas I would say what you see is the early church has an expectation that Jesus could come back at any point next week, but they go out and plant churches. They Mm -hmm. don't just go out and preach the gospel. They go out and plant churches. And that tells me, and they instruct these churches about stuff like how to live with each other and how to treat one another and how to help one another and, and, and how to manage their marriages and what to do with their children. And all of this isn't the stuff of Jesus is coming back next week. This is the stuff of how do we do life together with an awareness that Jesus could come back at some point. That, that's how I read that, John. I, I, I don't know if that resonates with you. Oh, it does, totally. And, and I, think, I think you get a beautiful... I don't know, you, you almost get a beautiful symmetry with message that 
God's exilic people had even in the Old Testament. When Jeremiah mm-hmm. talks about the reality that one day the exile will come to an end, but until then, mm. plant houses or build houses, mm. plant gardens, give your mm. children in marriage, bring the shalom of God to the city, be good citizens, be contributors. Yeah, I, I think in Jeremiah's instruction to the exiled community of God in first of all, Babylon, and, and then ultimately in Persia, you, you get the same nuance. You're, you're getting this idea, mm-hmm. one day you will be returned, you will come back to the land of promise. But until then, you've got to live with the expectancy that that day's going to happen, but you've also got to, you've got to live like good citizens and, and bring something of, kind of say, the kingdom from a Jewish world view point of view, to, to the world of Babylon, to the world yes. of, of yes. Persia. I think here we've got exactly the same idea. And and I, I think a Jewish nuance would really grab that really quickly, that yes, mm-hmm. Jesus is coming back. We're not quite sure when. So we're going to live with one eye on the fact mm-hmm. that he's coming, but we're also going to throw ourselves fully into building something that mm-hmm. represents him until he returns. And I think that's... That's the for, for me, that's a healthy way to manage that tension. Working as if he is returning at any moment, mm-hmm. but working mm-hmm. that if he doesn't return in the next 24 hours, we're building something. We're, we're contributing yes. something. We are doing kingdom stuff in our world yes. to help our world. And I think that's that's a nice way to manage that tension. It's certainly the way I manage it anyway. Yes, and, and of course, there's so many interspersed thoughts in there. I was thinking about your Jeremiah 29, verse 7, seek the welfare of the city or some Absolutely. seek the peace and prosperity. Of course, the Hebrew, and I've probably said this before, but I think it's a profound little piece of text, seek the shalom of the city yes. is what. Now, we often translate the word shalom as peace, but I have taken in recent years to translate it as wholeness because I think that's a better understanding of the Hebrew concept at play in Shalom, that, that peace is not the absence of violence. Peace for the, for the Hebrew scriptures is all things put back together again. Now, what I think is fascinating is another word for all things being put back together. Another word for wholeness is oneness. Right. Mm. If something is not broken, it's put back together into one piece. And then you get, and, and I, I think if I can have some license, going back to what we talked about in the last episode, Galatians 3, you, we are all one in Christ Jesus. Well, how are we one? Well, there was Jew and Greek, but now there's togetherness. There was slave and free, but now there's togetherness. There was male and female. Now there's togetherness. The impact of God is to bring oneness and to bring togetherness. Now, holding a kind of theological line for a second there, think about, which is going a bit of a journey, you can replay this back afterwards to catch my, my, my path, but, you know, so we're all one in Christ Jesus. What is the plan of God? Well, Ephesians 1.10 tells us that the plan of God is that God is bringing heaven and earth back together again. Right? Yeah. So, so what is God's plan to reunite literally everything in Eden and Genesis one? There is no gap between heaven and earth, yes. and God's plan is to remove the gap between heaven and earth. We see in Revelation, God achieves that plan. Heaven and earth are brought back together again. Now, with those two poles set, think about the end of First Corinthians fifteen, where Paul's talking about resurrection. 
And his conclusion to this big argument about resurrection, he says, brethren, brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, and know that your labor is not in vain. Right? Mm. So I think so often when we talk about resurrection and future hope, our, our sermons end with, so don't worry, Jesus is coming. Paul's sermon on resurrection and future hope is, get to work. Yes. <laughs> There's things to do. And, but, but the key thing is, what Paul says, your work is not wasted. Yeah. Well, if I'm, if I'm planting a tree today and Jesus comes back tomorrow, surely that work is a waste of time. <laughs> mm. but, but if God's ultimate plan is to bring heaven and earth back into a place of restoration, then there is a continuity between the present and the future that I think we often don't speak to. Notice what the angel says to the men of Galilee. Jesus is coming back the same way. He's not abandoned mm. this. So the yes. work that we do isn't in vain. It does carry on into God's future. And maybe that's a little too dense, John, to say in, try and say in three minutes. But but I think it's I think it's important theology for us to wrestle with as Jesus followers. I, I think it's not just important. I think it's essential. I think it's absolutely essential. I don't think it's dense at all, David. I think our listeners will grab that. And I think intuitively there is something within us that would grab that idea. The idea of living as a community set apart, waiting for God to come back and not contributing to the world in which we live is, mm-hmm. in my opinion, an alien one, even from, from tracking the Torah. So, so mm-hmm. God's intention was that he would have a kingdom of priests that he mm. would have a holy nation, that he would have a, a kingdom of people. When he says kingdom of priests in Exodus 19, he's not referring there to the Aaronic priesthood, the the, the sort of mm. ceremonial priesthood. He's speaking there of the whole nation, that the nation mm. would be a kingdom of priests, that they would be exporters of God mm-hmm. to the world. Mm-hmm. And then in the same breath, he says, God wants his people to be a holy nation. Well, that that's an example dynamic. That's that's mm-hmm. that's me and you looking in on this people of God and go, wow! Look at the way they live. Look yeah. at the way they behave. Look what they're building. Yes. Look at how their society's working. Look at how they treat the poor. Look at how they operated with with justice. So mm-hmm. so here I am, a, a sort of an outsider looking in on the people of God and go, wow! Mm. I like what I see, or at least. Even if I don't like what I see, I can't deny what I see. They've built something Mm -hmm. that is so dynamically societally tangible that it cannot be ignored even if I don't like it. And I think think that first wave of believers carrying the kingdom through the vehicle of the ecclesia, the church, would have absolutely understood this dynamic of looking forward to something greater a consummation moment, but also living present in the moment. And holding the two ideas together allows us to maximize both. If if we mm. are only looking forward, oh, Jesus is coming back. If we're only looking forward, then we're going to miss dynamic presence moments right now. Mm-hmm. If we're not looking forward, then right now can all feel a little bit selfish, desperate and depressing depending on where you're sitting on the scale of life. So holding the two ideas together that we're building, but we're also looking forward to something beyond us. I I think if we can capture that, 
exilic idea, if we can capture that to the nations of the world idea, I think it's transformational. I think it's transformational mm-hmm. at a local level. Every local church could then be a dynamic shalom carrier for its community and yes. bringer of God's peace to that community and wholeness to that community. And and of course, as, as you've alluded to before, Paul in Ephesians talks about Jesus being the shalom that has brought the two together. So, so ultimately, yes. even yes. in a Jewish worldview and a Gentile worldview brought together in a shalomness with Jesus, that then shalom community, that complete community, mm-hmm. takes its completeness in Christ to its world and builds stuff, plants stuff, engages with its world and brings something of the kingdom of God to bear right where we are. I think if we can hold he's coming, but we're also called the build at intention, mm. I, I think we get the best of all worlds, David. Well, we're back into both end theology, aren't we? <laughs> we are. <laughs> Which is, I mean, and I mean that as a deep compliment to what you're saying. Uh, Andrew Root talks about how the church lives in crisis. Mm. He says the church, and now not crisis in, oh my goodness, the roof's on fire. <laughs> but, yeah. but but in terms of a, a, a crisis that there's there's a tension, there's a there's an unsettledness. There's a, we know things are not the way they should be. And Root talks about how so often what we're looking for as Jesus followers and Christians is stability, which actually is a way that we're looking for control. And what we'd actually like is we'd like everything to be absolutely A-OK so that we can know where we are. And we're called as Christians to live in this now and not yet tension, that the kingdom is here, but it is still coming. We're yes. called to echo shalom, but there is more shalom to come. The The spirit of the son is in us crying, Abba, Father, but the same son is coming back from heaven and God is reuniting all things. And, and I feel like one of the tensions that we have to become comfortable with as Christians is Tension. We've got to learn yeah. to live in the middle space. In the yes. Paul uses this phrase in First Corinthians that those of us upon whom the ends of the ages have come, that we live yes. disjointed in our time, and and I think and I think that's what the disciples are about to head into. And it's fascinating to me how in Acts chapter one, and I'm just I'm really struck by the way you phrased that at the start that they went back to Jerusalem without Jesus. And and now without can we ever be without God? I know that's not what you were what you were digging yeah, in, but yeah. they but they know he's gone now, right? Because if you notice at the start of Acts, it says in verse three, he appeared to them over a period of forty days. So yep. he's not been with them for forty days. He's been nope. he's been somewhere else. But at verse um, 9, 10, and 11, they realize, oh, this time he's gone. Right? This time he is not coming back. And it strikes me as interesting then that their first thing that they then go to deal with is they have a little meeting. They pray, uh, which is which is good, and they're, they're following that. But they, they realize, and they realize the Holy Spirit's been doing something, but they've got this Judas problem at hand, right? yeah. where Judas betrayed Jesus, he's now dead, and... And we need another person to come in and replace him yes. in the role of, of this ministry. So they, they pull this guy, Joseph Barsabbas uh, and Matthias. And, and what's interesting is how do they choose? They cast lots. Right? <laughs> and, and, and so, so I just, I mean, I'm, and I'm, maybe I'm digging too deep into it, but they go home without Jesus. The Holy yep. Spirit is one chapter off. 
And their way of making a decision, even those people of prayer, is we're just going to cast lots and see what happens. Two things strike me as interesting here, right? They still pray. The Lord, everyone's heart, they say in verse 24, show us which of these two you have chosen to take over his apostolic ministry, which Judas left off to go where he belongs. Mm. And then they cast the lots. So they believe that God will guide the randomness of the lot casting. What to me is interesting is you never see the church cast lots again. Yeah. And, and Matt Theus doesn't seem to do anything. He's <laughs> just like, <laughs> yeah, who was he? he appears. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And to the extent that some people have even said that the, that the actual Judas replacement is Paul. Right? <laughs> yeah. But I think it's interesting just that little subtle contrast of how the church behaves without the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And, and also a little addition, and I would just add to that. I think that's a fascinating insight from you. But also the fact that leaning back into our previous conversation about now and not yet, it's, mm. it's okay, they've got to get on with business. So, <laughs> so in, you know what I mean? So they've just seen Jesus go and they go, right, okay, we've got an, an apostle gap. Um, yes. and, and so they, they want this gap filled for whatever reason. And there's all sorts of ideas we could have around why they wanted a 12th apostle back again. But mm-hmm. but the point is, it's like, okay, well, while we're waiting for the Spirit, let's get on. Let's do some mm-hmm. stuff. So, so mm-hmm. interesting that they maybe engage some practices they never engage with again formally mm-hmm. after the Holy Spirit comes. And that might be saying something of life without the Holy Spirit. But also... This sort of tension idea that, yeah, we've just seen Jesus leave, but he's told us to wait in Jerusalem and we've got to get ready for whatever's coming. So let's get ready. So you get that lovely idea that they are, however they're doing it, whether we agree with the way they do it or not, (laughs) they are preparing for whatever is coming. They are, they're in this gap moment, approximately 10 days, they're going to be waiting for Shavuot, for Pentecost, and, and, and actually... We got to get on and do something, and I love this this amazing liminal moment between this phenomenal eschatological promise. Jesus goes, "Oh, but he's coming back the same way you've seen him go, visible and physical. He will return." <laughs> mm-hmm. And then they're about to receive the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit, and in between, well, well, we've got to sort of get on with life. We've got to we've got to do some <laughs> stuff, and you get the, these these. Amazing events sandwiching this normality and this yes. routineness within that, yes. which is which is staggering. Really, I I, I think there's a, a a lovely sort of just reflection of how life often works for us as well within yes. that. And and of course, I mean they do their their strategies isn't, and this is where I think it was interesting off the back of your comment of they went home without Jesus. All the stuff they do is right based on the place that they currently sit in the story. Indeed. They Indeed. they consult scripture. They say, well, the scripture seems to say this, right? They say we should replace his leadership position with somebody who's been with us the whole time. So it's a, it is a disciple time. they choose. Mm-hmm. They, they, they find this person, they need to be a witness to the resurrection, right? So, so this person's been from John's baptism to the time Jesus was taken up, and the, the and, but they must become a witness with us of His resurrection. So, yeah. there's, there's all the stuff they do is right. Even their prayer is right, and the fact that Luke even presents it without criticism before the Holy Spirit. What else can you do? 
but yeah. but consult the scriptures, pray to God, and and hope that's the best way forward. <laughs> now, now then, there's another point that I think potentially potentially spirals off from that is is that when the when the disciples do actually what do you call it get the holy spirit we see them in acts 15 right mm. uh, they use this phrase it seemed good to the yeah. holy spirit so yeah. so there's also the sense of so in acts 1 it's like well what is what are we going to do well let's look at scriptures let's pray let's make a decision and actually the holy spirit doesn't take those processes away. In the Acts 15 Council, when we eventually get to Acts 15 at this pace, I think it'll be about 2025, but when we we get to Acts 15, notice there's prayer, there's consultation of Scripture, and then there's this sense of it seems that the Holy Spirit is in us. The Holy Spirit will not take away human responsibility. We've said it already. You can you can be full of the Holy Spirit, be a good person, and still not follow that path. So so there's something beautiful about what we're whatever we're talking about when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about God taking over people's lives and 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 removing their own agency. But the Holy Spirit seems to work invitationally in, in in acts. The Holy Spirit seems to say, I'm going here I'd love it if you came with me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I I think that's beautifully there, and and that that sense of back to the John language, Johannan language, the Paraclete, the one who draws beside us, the one who comes beside us. He's called beside us. He walks with us. And and though you get this incredible introduction of the empowerment of the, this is not the Holy Spirit grab, grabbing us like some sort of rag doll and dragging us around the floor. But this is the Holy Spirit seeking to call us to partnership with him mm-hmm. in the same way that he led Jesus in the Luke narrative into the wilderness, in the same way that Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, in the same way mm-hmm. that Jesus does his work by the Spirit being upon him. We're getting this invitation that this same Spirit wants to partner with this community and you get this lovely little contrast of this gap of a community with no we're, we're careful without Jesus and without the Holy Spirit relying yeah. on all that they've got but actually when yeah. the Holy Spirit comes they're they're at least invited to engage with mm-hmm. these issues with a higher level of of dynamic power insight and wisdom because the Holy Spirit is among them. So it's a beautiful little contrasting moment. Definitely. And and I think that perhaps, as we kind of draw our Acts chapter 1 conversations to a close, that little piece that you've said there, John, I just want to say that's what we should probably hold on and remember because we're going to see that play out time and time and time again in this, this phenomenal book that we call Acts. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope that you enjoyed it. If you want to get in touch with either of us about something we said, you can reach out to us on podcast at twotexts.com or by liking and following the Two Texts podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you really did enjoy the episode, then we'd love it if you left a review or a comment where you're listening from. And if you really enjoyed this episode, why not share it with a friend? Don't forget that you can listen to all of our podcasts from this season and others at www.2text.com. But that is it for now. So until next time, goodbye.